let's keep our keep our hearts tender to the Lord and let's keep our hearts open to him and especially in in a kind of uh, uh, faithful self-examination like this that he's not uh, he doesn't want to hurt us he wants to help us and we can trust him trust him with what we need and uh, in the Bible in uh, in the book of Acts there's a uh, a record of the ascension. Uh, Acts in chapter 1 and verse 6 says, when they came together, they, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it is not for you to know the times and seasons the Father is fixed in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So if somebody said to you, what did Jesus say just before he ascended into heaven? You could look at this part of the Bible and you could read this part. It would be important for us to see what were Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven to those that were gathered to watch him go back up into heaven. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he said to everybody who's a follower of Jesus is a witness. What he, what, what he means by that primarily is a witness to, the, to his, the fact that he's alive. I'm a witness. Jesus is alive. Tell people Jesus died and that he's alive, which implies other stuff, that he's who he said he was, that he accomplished what he set out to accomplish, that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that he's coming back someday, that he's the king of the universe, that he's the one to whom we address our prayers. Be a witness. Okay, so one of my jobs as a pastor, I actually, did you know this? I have a job description that the, the folks, uh, probably the elders, put together a job description. It's very kind. One of the things it says to do is what I'm going to do right now. And every Sunday until Easter, um, others are participating with me. Obviously, you heard Pastor Jordan last week and, and earlier, uh, Pastor Leo and Pastor Neil, and, and of course, your Sunday school teachers and leaders, men and women, your WANA leaders. We encourage each other in this, but it's part of my job description. It's, it's in Ephes out of Ephesians 4.11 to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So I want to help you be a witness. And this is probably going to be more like a seminar than a preaching, even though I'm I tend to stumble into preaching from time to time. I, I want to teach you practically steps of how, you know, we, we say around here, we want to follow Jesus and help others follow Jesus. That's just another way of saying we're trying to do what Jesus said, what was recorded late in Jesus' life in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, go into all the world and 
preach the gospel, make disciples. Uh, Mark says, preach the gospel. In Matthew, and make disciples, baptizing them of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe my commands, and this is his command. And so, what I want to do is I want between now and Easter to be extremely practical with you and teach you how would you help somebody else follow Jesus. And so maybe if you're early on in following Jesus yourself, you'll just like, you can listen in and go, how can I follow Jesus? Or maybe you're way down the road, but you need a little refresher. You need to hit the reset button. How can I just start following Jesus again? Or maybe you're all in and you just are open to hearing ideas about how to help people follow Jesus. So I want to tell you the idea that I had. I brought it here to the church. The elders and I worked on it together for about a year, and we created this discipleship strategy, kind of the way we look at making disciples. And, and we use it. We have this graphic. We have the Bethel wheel graphic. Show that when you can. And so we came up with this wheel to demonstrate this picture, this graphic to demonstrate kind of what we're up to here, and that is in following Jesus. How do we help people follow Jesus? How are we following Jesus and helping other people follow Jesus? And we kind of have this movement. It's a wheel. We help turn the, the Bethel wheel turns or the discipleship wheel turns when people gather. Does the scriptures say that? They don't have to gather in this big building, but they gather. They assemble. It's what churches They assemble in Jesus' name, and they grow in, in the Word by actually looking, and then this would be like in the second phase, or the first phase would be we gather in a large assembly usually, and we pray, and we sing, and we teach, and we give, and we encourage one another. But then we get into smaller groups, which would be prayer groups, or small groups, or Bible studies, or a, a real special way I'm going to describe to you today, just like a one-on-one -on -one, uh, with another person, a prayer partner, and we grow deeper there. And we, we actually encourage one another to obey the commands of Jesus as the Holy Spirit brings them to our mind. Because the disciple's a person who, in the, who believes in Jesus. He's repented and believed, and he's following Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's doing things Jesus said one at a time. might be like, you need to forgive your mother. It might be, you need to stop cussing. <laughs> That's a preacher favorite right there. You need to stop cussing. It might be, um, you need to have compassion for people whose skin color is different than yours. Might be that. Might be that. Can I, can I, can I get an amen from the faithful Baptist folk gathered? In Baptist people are supposed to say amen every once in a while, just encourages the pastor. And he goes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. But might be that we're praying and we think, man, the, some of those jokes just got to leave my conversation. They're not appropriate. They put down people God loves. Might be. I, I don't love other people. I just love myself. It might be greed, might be lust, might be gluttony. The Holy Spirit put a finger on something in our life and we confess we, we need to. And so there might be a step of obedience that the Lord gives us. A disciple is a person that when Jesus says to do something, he, she does it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we help other people follow the commands of Jesus, that's what it means to be a disciple. And this all flows out of a, a loving fellowship, a relationship with the Lord. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about fly fishing. I, years ago, we decided we would do a little fly fishing. The boys were interested. We lived on the tailwaters up in uh, northern Michigan and western Michigan. We lived on the tailwaters of Lake Michigan, and it was good fly fishing. My boys were interested in it. So we all went, and we bought a bunch of fly fishing gear. We bought waders. We bought line, leader, tippet. We bought all the stuff. You can spend, have, you can spend a lot of money 
catching very little, by the way. <laughs> you, can, you can spend a lot of time and a lot of money. Some of you men are going, I did not come to church to hear this today. You're not helping. Um, so I, I had a bunch of fly fishing equipment. We lived up in West Michigan. And, um, it was entry level, but it was a bunch. You know, I had a, one of those cool vests with little flies hanging on it and waders. You should see them there. Extra, extra, extra large. It's really frightening. I almost died trying to put them on one time. There was, there was a, the fish were rising, and I was all excited. I was, so I was trying to put them on. I was standing on one foot, fell over, almost hit my head on a bumper. Would have been really hard to explain that to people. We moved to Flint to do a ministry, and, I, and the boys kind of grew up, and they went away. And, and every once in a while, I would go look at all my fly fishing gear. I'd watch guys tie flies. I have books. I have books on this. I have videos on this. A lot of books about fly fishing. Some of the best writing about the outdoors is fly fishing writing. And some of the best artists, fly fishing art. I have fly fishing art, fly fishing books. I have waders. I have, well, I did. I have, you know, everything you need. But I haven't fished since uh, 2002. 2002. So what I'm getting at here, and it took the long route, didn't I, is that having books and having hooks does not make you a fisherman. And talking about following Jesus doesn't mean you're following Jesus. And talking about being a fisherman doesn't make you a fisherman. Saying that you care about lost people isn't, doesn't really make you a fisherman. It's actually being involved in, in seeing people come to know the Lord. So I want to help you. I want to help equip you. I want to give you specific ideas. And so this wheel is just a little thing where, where we, we kind of demonstrated to this. The, the idea that the movement is we come and we, we assemble. Maybe that's what we do first. Maybe not. But like people come to the to the assembly, and then we'll pull them or invite them into a deeper growth experience. And then out of that, into a service experience on a missional team or on a ministry team. And we'll explain this a lot more as we go. But the idea is that we're just gently and organically and lovingly nudging people around this wheel. When somebody gets baptized, the Bethel wheel turned because they obeyed the Lord in baptism. When somebody believes, the Bethel wheel turned. Somebody's following Jesus. Somebody's helping somebody follow Jesus. That we're supposed to, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what will, and, and a, maybe a better way to say that is that's what God made us for. That will bring you greater joy, greater, greater fulfillment than the other things. So we want to be practical about this. You know, the scriptures uh, command this. Jesus himself from his own mouth and some of his final words, he commanded this, reminded his followers of this. This is, this is basic stuff. You will be witnesses. I will give you power and you will be witnesses in circles going outward, nearby, farther away, all around the world. That's what Christians do. So let me teach you a practical ideas that will help you have gospel conversations. I want to help you with this and help you be better, better at gospel conversations. So I'm going to teach you some practical ideas. Right now, we need to give you a little handout. What I've developed is in order to have a wheel we need to have spokes in the wheel. Wouldn't you agree? And so these, so I put, I'm putting together a series of spokes. Uh, I call them spokes papers. Little paper, every little paper is going to explain to you one of the spokes in the Bethel wheel, how you can follow Jesus and how you can help people follow Jesus. So these are on the back table, and we don't want you all to run out there and grab them. So I need a couple of ushers to go grab all those that are on the back table, and then just walk to the front right now. Would you do that? Just grab all those that are on the back table, walk to the front, and then turn around. And then if you want one of these, you can raise your hand. It's kind of what, it's a little, 
it's the first of the spokes papers. And so what I have in mind here is in order to fulfill my duty as a pastor, in order to help you uh, help people follow Jesus, your, your kids and your loved ones, your neighbors and the people that you, that you might meet, people that are hungry, that are eager, that don't know how, or they need a refresher, I want to help you help them. And I'm, so I'm going to write these papers. Each paper has maybe a little truth on it or a little drawing, a little diagram that'd be easy for you to reproduce so that you can practice, you can get your reps in, and you can practice having gospel conversations with other people, and you can have an influence on other people, and you can help them because they're, they're needy. Okay, so thank you, Jerry. Turn, if you, he's going to turn around and raise your hand if you don't have one of these and you'd like one. Um, raise your hand if you don't have one, you'd like one, because it's, it's the first of the spokes, it's the first iteration of the first spokes paper. And what we're going to do with these is we write, we write all these and then we're going to explain it to you, but the, but the better way is you're going to have somebody take you through this yourself, and then as you, if you find it useful, then you could take somebody else through, and eventually you'll gather all of these spokes papers, a whole wheel full of them, and you'll have a little booklet, and it will be practical, really super practical, simple ways that you can help other people follow Jesus, so hopefully you'll be more effective at following Jesus and experience that and so you have a little book of spokes papers. This is the first iteration of the first spokes paper, and, and it has three things in it. I'm not all that creative sometimes, so there's just a lot of threes, a confusing number of threes here. So just, I just say that ahead of time. A couple of things to do, a little caveats. Number one, I'm hyper. So that's probably sometimes that works for me and sometimes not. So I don't promise I'm going to finish all my sentences and I don't promise I'm not going to talk fast because when I get really excited about something, I talk fast and I have ideas and I don't finish my sentences and now I'm getting old so I have no excuse. And so what you're hearing right now is the confessions of a man who's desperate to be used of God, to help his people be used of God, and he's throwing himself on the Lord. I, I'm not sure about this, but let's all together, let's do what we can and maybe God will bless this mess and people will follow Jesus. And we can use our baptistry again soon. And people's marriages will be helped again soon. Maybe some of the people nearest and dearest to us, sometimes people with our own last name, will also follow Jesus. And maybe you'll get to be there when somebody comes into the family of faith and you get to be the midwife when the baby is born. Would that be amazing? I'm not talking literally here in case you're getting freaked out about that. I'm talking spiritually when somebody's born again. Spiritually, so what I'm going to try to get through, we won't get through it all today. We're going to, um, this is a series, so it's going to be kind of weird. When I get to the end, I'm going to tell you a little story about Lloyd over here. Lloyd came to visit today. I'm going to tell you, you'll know I'm at the end because I'm going to talk about Lloyd over here. And then we're going to eat chili together. And then you're going to come back next week and bring friends. And I'll teach you some more. And I'm just going to go, I'm going to talk fast and tell you something. But what, what I want to do in this spokes booklet is three things that will help you have really good gospel conversation. One is three stories. I'll explain three stories. I'm going to tell three stories, but I'm going to explain the three-story thing about having gospel conversation. And then three circles, and there are a lot of ways you can see this. Not original with me. It's something I borrowed from a guy in Florida, and it's gone around the world, literally gone around the world. God's using the three circles to have a gospel conversation with somebody and then there's a little chart I want to describe it to you. It won't take long. I'll describe that because it's been one of the most encouraging things to me when I think about wanting to influence other people for the Lord. And I know that if you're like I'm, you feel maybe inadequate, 
maybe you don't feel like you feel like you need to be an extrovert or you need to be theologically really sharp and maybe you feel like you, you really can't be used to the Lord. But, but I want to remind you that God said if you're a follower of Jesus, you will be a spirit-empowered witness. And you talk about what you love and you tell people about things that you like and that you love and that you care about. And so as we deepen our like and our love and our care for the Lord, and we deepen our like and our love and our care for the lost, then we'll also be, have a refreshing, all in our own way, in our own, according to our own gifting, but I just want to help you a little bit. So let me just quickly tell you about the three stories, and that's on the first page of that. And this is, if you want to have a gospel conversation with somebody, I would suggest that you think about three stories. Think about their story, think about your story, think about the story. Those are the three stories. Those are the blanks you can fill in. Their story, your story, the story. Now, think, in other words, you meet somebody and you think, oh, I would love to talk to them about the Lord, but it seems so weird and awkward. Well, here's what makes it not weird and not awkward. Everybody loves talking about themselves. Everyone loves talking about what, they're, what they want to talk about, what they're interested in. There's something that lights up everybody, right? Very few exceptions to that you got to figure out whatever it is they like to talk about, they're going to talk. Am I right? And so you might just have some questions like, what makes you get out of bed in the morning? You know, when you're talking to a friend, or it could be a stranger, it could be a friend, it could be a loved one, but you just talk to them. And you let them tell about themselves. Let's just say they're way far from God. Maybe they're part of a false religion or some kind of a strange uh, thing you don't know about culturally or you don't, know, you don't believe spiritually and it's a little tricky for you. Well, like, I'll give an example. Talk to a girl. She said, I'm a lesbian. Well, that, that was kind of different for me. So I said, I don't have a lot of lesbian friends, but I've always wanted to talk to one kind of openly. Can, I, can we just talk about that a little bit? And she said, sure, you can ask me anything you want to ask me. I'll be very honest with you. And so we had a long talk about how she identified as a lesbian. Well, it took me a little out of my comfort zone, right? It wasn't, wasn't something I thought a lot about talking about before but it's something that she's willing to talk about. And she told me a lot about herself. As she just explained that, wouldn't have to be something that shocking, maybe. It could be very simple. It could be another place in the world. It could be they have a different football team they like than yours, and they'll talk. And yeah, but you get them to talk, and you, and you get them to tell them their story, and you make that story, this is important, as long as possible. It might be the whole time you're talking, you're just talking about them. You're just letting them tell their story. You don't have to agree with it, but it'd be good if you repeated it back to them so they know you heard it. You know, you, you think this, you think that. So you're saying that. Oh, I see. So you're saying that. I get it. Now, I, I'm not naturally really good at this, so I have to remind myself how important it is. I'm that guy that's like coming in the room going, hey, I got something to tell you. I have a story to tell you about me. That's my natural thing. I have to remind myself there's a story they're more interested in than me, and it's them. And so if you're a, you might say, well, I'm not an extrovert. Well, then you're ahead of the game on this because you know it's, you're better at listening than you are at talking and you'll probably be much more effective at this first step. So I just tell you as a Christian, one of the best things you can do with somebody is to genuinely like them and genuinely care about them and genuinely listen to them and let them tell their story, not just so that you can tell your story because people know that, you know, but because you value them. Think about this. They may not be a child of God in a saving sense yet, but they are a creation of God. Everyone you meet is created by God. There's a sense in which they're the object of God's creative love. And so 
they have dignity and worth and value and majesty according to the Bible. And even the person that might seem like other people don't value them, if you saw them the way God sees them, they have great value. And even if they are morally completely opposed to what you believe, still they're human beings. They're precious to someone. We were at a family reunion once, and we noticed that somebody was at the family reunion that had like a rainbow on their car, and it wasn't a reminder that there's never going to be a worldwide flood, if you know what I mean. It's somebody that believed different about the world than we do. We went inside, uh, and we, our family, when we go to these family reunions, back when the kids were all at home, we would, people would always come up to us and say, would you have your family sing? Because the family would sing together. And, we, and so the, they came up and they said, hey, will you, will you they, they know I'm a pastor, sometimes they'll say, hey, will you pray? Will you have your family sing? The lady that owned that car, uh, she, uh, she wasn't there when we first came, but she, but, when, but she heard our family sing. And when she got there, she said, oh, I missed the singing. And so she came up to us and she said, would you please sing again? Because I didn't hear the singing. And I'll never forget, remember this, Lois? We sang and she sat there and the lady with the rainbow on her bumper, on her back window, she just cried like a baby when we sang. Her heart was very open and tender. It's just interesting, wasn't it? You know, you listen to people, you wonder. We, we tend to think, hey, I, gotta, I need to tell you the gospel. That's true, we do want to tell them the gospel. But we tell them the gospel to a person that we care about. We love. Anyway, I, I, I think that's important. So make their story as long as possible. And it might be in a number of sessions, in a number of occasions, as hockey games or shopping or whatever is really natural for them. You just, you're, you're listening to their story. And, and, here, and I'll tell you what, the way I think it helps me is while I'm listening to their story, I'm feeling around the edge of their soul for the cracks where the gospel goes in. And I'm listening for their hurts. And I'm listening for their deepest desires. And I'm listening for the things they feel guilty and ashamed of. And I'm listening for things that they feel sad that they did. Or I'm listening for especially where they're broken and hurt. And everybody, if you listen long enough, almost everybody, you'll hear things they're guilty about. Things are, and right there, those are things the gospel addresses so beautifully. If they're, if you're, if, so, so tell, so the first story, think about a gospel conversation as, you let them talk, and you listen to their story, and you ask them more questions. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What are you going to do when you retire? So I see you have a bike. Do you ride that often? I'm interested in that. Have you ever been to Disney World? <laughs> you know, or you look around, you just look at, well, I hope you must do this every day with your clients there. Is that right? I bet you're good at that. And you see stuff they have. You see a keychain, and you say to them, so... What does that mean? Or they have a rosary. And you know, I say, explain that to me. I've always been interested in that. Or uh, often I see, I almost never, <laughs> if somebody's wearing a cross, I'm like, oh, you, you have a cross. Tell me, talk to me about that. You know, anyway, but that's getting into a religious conversation immediately. I'm really not talking about that right, right now. I'm just talking about a human conversation. Anyway, I made my point, right? So just think about that. You're going out in the world as a witness. And you're loving people by listening to them. And people love to be listened to. God help us to listen redemptively to people. 
Now, the second story is your story, and that should be as short as possible. This, this version of your story is just short. It's your testimony, but it's like an elevator speech. It's just short. Can I tell you mine? It's the only thing I do short, so you might want to hear it. Um, so I'll tell you mine. So many, many years ago, there was a little boy that lived in Newark, Ohio, and he's going to sleep at night, and his mom prayed with him. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And the little boy said to his mom, what happens when I die? Because he's afraid of death, and he felt guilty, but she couldn't answer the question. That little boy was my dad. Years later, he, he found some men in the Navy that explained to him the story about Jesus and how Jesus died for his sins so that he didn't have to die and suffer punishment from God, and he didn't have to die in his sins. That's what he believed. So when I was a little boy and I asked my dad, he was able to answer that question. That's a little bit longer version than I usually tell, but that's my story. So what I'm saying is, is this. It ha- be, be ready to listen to somebody else's story and make it long and involved and pay attention to it. And, you know, it might be in there. You might get some prayer requests. You might feel around the edge of their soul for where the gospel goes in. But you show genuine care and genuine interest. And then you make a mental note about those things. And then on another occasion when the opportunity is there, you tell them your story in a short way. Now, the third story is the story. It's the gospel story. How you describe the gospel. And there are a lot of ways to do that. But how you get to that is something I want to, there are a lot of ways to get to that, but how you get to it is something I want to teach you. Some ideas that I've had over the years that have been really helpful to me about how to get to a gospel conversation where you're actually having that conversation where you're describing the gospel to somebody in a way that's, re, that's relaxed and natural, not like really like you're screaming at them on the street, which I guess if you have to do that, that's probably not a really good idea, but there's better ways. Anyway, so, but, but, but I would say this, um, uh, it's easy to put down people who holler on the street. I don't do it that way. Street preaching, there's different kinds. I didn't mean to get off on this, but there's different kinds of street preaching too. Uh, there are people who street preach well. Uh, at Moody, they would throw, they would, it, was, it, was, it was like, it was almost like performance art. It was almost like people doing, you know, uh, performance on the street. People would gather around joyfully, ask questions. It was done really well. And then there are people who are very condemning and that, that God uses that sometimes, but I don't think he proves of it. Anyway, that's just another, we can talk about that another time. Come and argue with me. I'd be glad to argue about that. You will lose. Anyway, but um, maybe, maybe I'll learn. But, but, but what, I'm, what I'm getting at is this. When, when Jesus walks up to me and he goes, Ken, you know, you're, you're a Christian, right? But yes, sir. And then how, how do you tell people about me? Oh, you're a pastor. Ken, how, do you teach your, how did you teach your people to tell them about me? You should have an answer for that. You should have an answer for that, right? So, so here, here's what I would say. I, I, this is helpful to me. I have what I call the stand-up gospel conversation and the sit-down gospel conversation. I don't have to have permission for the stand-up gospel conversation. I just say it. Just like you say, just like you just say things about what you think about why Michigan State is better than Michigan. You know, you might say that. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but you might. You might say that. And you're not shy about that. You're just going around telling people why that's true. Um, or you might have an opinion about a political candidate that you're not shy about. You just tell people. Well, anyway, what I'm getting at here is this, is that you have the stand-up gospel conversation, which is short, and you deliver yourself of blood guilt in a sense. Uh, so, you, but then you have the sit-down gospel conversation with somebody where you've asked permission to actually have a conversation about God, Jesus, the Bible, heaven, hell, things like that. 
And they know that's what it's about. And they're agreeing to meet to you at a restaurant or they're agreeing to have you in their home or they're agreeing to sit down and they're already agreeing that this is what you're going to do. And, and that to me is great fun. And one of the things to do is love people and listen to people and befriend people and care about people and be spiritually sensitive to people until you see there's an opportunity to invite them into that sit-down gospel conversation. You got to give an example of what that might look like for me. And this is one that I never had, but it's one I always was trying to have. So it's probably a good illustration for you because you don't, you know, it doesn't make me look like a hero or anything. But there was a guy who owned a gas station in the Down River where I used to live, and his name was Ferris. And he's really nice. And you, you can't tell by looking at me, but I'm always dieting, you know. You're looking at a man who's more, he's the biggest experienced dieter you ever met. Anyway, the heaviest experience, I've lost more weight than you are. I know that makes you uncomfortable, so I should probably stop talking about that. But I'm always dieting, you know. And it, not... <laughs> I'm not good at it, but I do it a lot. So I go by the gas station, and this guy, Ferris, it's a gas station, and it's also a Dunkin' Donut shop. And I befriend Ferris, who owns it, and he's super nice to me, so he's always giving me free donuts. And I'm like, oh, man, I want them, but I shouldn't have them. And, and anyway, so, but I befriended this guy, and we talked, and then I always wanted to influence him for the Lord. And so one of the things I said to him, you know, he said, hey, what do you, one day he asked me the question, he kind of stepped in, in the trap, and he said, so what do you do anyway? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. Do you go to church? So that was super easy. We just jumped right into the uh, religious conversation. Do you go to church? He goes, no. I go, oh, I'm always looking for people like you. I'm always looking for people like you. He goes, oh, no. I go, we got to talk, you and me. Um, there's some stuff I want to try out on you. You know, I'm just kind of kidding with him. So every time I see him, I say, Ferris, have you been to Bob Evans and had the mother of all breakfast at Bob Evans, you know, with the sausage gravy and everything? And he goes, no. I go, dude, I want to buy you that. And there's a placemat. I want to flip it over. I want to draw you a picture that will change your life. Someday we got to have that breakfast. You know, it's about God, Jesus, the Bible, heaven and hell and church and all that stuff. I'm like, tell them up front. He's like, okay, okay. I go, seriously. So every once in a while I'd stop by and I would say, Bob Evans, you and me, when are we going to do that? What do you think? When are we going to do it? And Ferris never said that he would, but I did give him the gospel. That's what, kind of what I'm talking about. You're you. You have a different style than I do. But I'm just saying, wouldn't it be something if in your life you decided, I'm going to be a witness? I'm going to listen to people's stories. I'm going to prepare my story. I'm going to get good at telling the story. And then I'm going, to, I'm going to begin to try to cultivate opportunities to have stand-up gospel conversations and sit-down gospel conversations. Let me, let me tell you why this is important. Then I want to tell you about Lloyd. Then we're going to pray and have chili. Eddie's going to come and pray. We're going to have chili. The reason this is important to me is because of those sailors that buttonholed my dad that one time. He told you the story before. And they asked me if he was saved. They were just blunt. Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you a Christian? They just kept pestering him, having conversations with him. One guy volunteered to drive him back to his hometown to see a girlfriend so that he could talk with him for hours on the way. And that truth of the gospel made its way through our family and everybody's life was changed because of that. Some people set up a tent. My mom heard the gospel. So my life, I want to do that. I want to inspire everybody I know to be effective and faithful because when you do, then you're doing what God made you to do and, and, and you're involved in something that will never end. 
it's eternal. You think about that. So you think about that. A little over a year ago, Lloyd, I, I'm gonna, we'll probably, Lloyd shared his story with our men in the basement. And I want to, I, I asked Lloyd to be my guest today. I appreciate you coming today. Because just a little over a year ago, a little while ago, he was far from God. Driving his motorcycle drunk. Now that doesn't seem like a really good idea to me. My, right? My dad said, never ride a motorcycle dangerous. And I'm like, dad, there's this guy I know. He ride a motorcycle drunk. That's a really bad idea. I'm so glad you're still alive. And then he was far from God. And, he was, and God drew Lloyd to himself and he was saved. The reason I'm telling you a little tiny abbreviated version of his story is that he immediately began to think, I need to tell other people. But he didn't just go out and start yelling at people. He did something, he had an intuition, or he had teaching or something, that he realized that he needed to plant the gospel in the soil of kind deeds. And this is how I found out about him, because he started a thing called, which I kind of appealed to me, if you can imagine, called Burgers and Bibles. So among other things, he's just, he, what he does, he just goes around trying to figure out nice things to do so that he can genuinely love people so that there's an opportunity sometime to help them find Jesus like he found Jesus. He doesn't badger the people, although he's very direct, but he just goes and he finds people to love. And the first thing was, or one of the first things was grilling burgers and giving them away. And he, he's, he's going to Malawi. He's got ministry going to Malawi, <laughs> which if you didn't know, that's like another country. And um, and another thing he did, which appealed to me when he told me about it, was I was always the kid that wanted to have more books when the Scholastic Book Club came, and I didn't have enough money to have more books. And so he knew there were kids that didn't have money for books, and so he cooked up an idea that he would raise money so kids that didn't have money for books could have money for books. You see what he was doing? He was just finding ways to love people so that when they ask him, why are you loving me like this, he could tell them about the one who changed his life. And it makes me excited when I think we have hundreds of people in our ch little church that are Jesus followers. What if we were witnesses? I'm going to talk to you more about this. Let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, we want to pray a blessing on you. And we, we've asked one of our heavy hitter blessing prayers to do that today because it's a special day. Eddie Beasley, come up here. We're really getting serious. We call Eddie Beasley to pray. Um, and pray a blessing on you. Uh, that you would enjoy our chili and that you would begin, you know, maybe you're a veteran or maybe you're just taking baby steps, but that you would be bold in loving people. And then he's going to pray, blessing our food. Stay with us today. A lot of good stuff downstairs, would you? <laughs>